Good morning. <laughs> Would you remain standing as we read God's word? Um, my name is Rebecca, and I'm going to be reading Philippians 3, 1 through 11, which is today's sermon scripture reading. I'd encourage you to read along in your Bibles. If you're using the blue ESV Bibles on your pew, you can find the passage on page 571. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may retain, attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank the Lord and thank you all for uh, coming today. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor and a, a privilege to uh, bring to you a message. Uh, I appreciate the chance to share uh, in the context of the local assembly, and Philippians is a great book. So it's just, it's a wonderful book. So let me pray, and uh, I'll give you a little background, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share. I pray, Lord, that um, your words would come through uh, my words, and that, Lord, that uh, we all could take away from this section of scripture, a blessing from you. Uh, be with us as we uh, look into uh, these verses. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be uh, imparting wisdom upon all of us. And I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just get the whole Chief Seahawk thing out of the way, all right? Because the last two guys that got up here were huge Chief fans. And um, the, I had to set those youngsters in their place because... I've been Chiefs fan longer than both of them, either one of them have been alive. We talked about that. Um, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, of course, but I'm also a huge Seahawks fan. I love the Seahawks. In fact, when Russell Wilson came up, I was like, yes, this is great. And so I want everyone in here to know that I will be cheering for the Hawks every single game this year, unless they make it to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Okay? And then, then of course... Yeah, the, but that's at least, what, 18, 19 games, so we'll, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be together as we, as we go forward in our uh, pro football watching. So anyway, I want to give you just a tiny bit of history. Um, I'm 
married to Pam. Pam and Gracie, there's my family there. Say that. Pam, we've been married for 36 years, uh, best 25 years of my life. Um, so I always, I always, when I say that, people go, wait, wait a minute, and then Pam goes, how do you get 25? But we, we, we joke around, it's been, it has been 20, uh, 36 years, and it's better now than when we started. And for those of you that are, understand that, we, uh, we have three kids. Gracie, our youngest one, is here today. We have three grandchildren and, and uh, two daughters-in-law and two dogs. So that's uh, kind of the family makeup. Tiny bit of background, we moved to Argentina. We got married in 1987, moved to Argentina in 1994. During that, uh, when we went to Argentina, uh, Pam and I and another couple, we founded a school. I was called into the ministry there. I, was, I went there on business, was called into the ministry. I was a pastor of a small international church for nine years. But when 9-11 hit, everything in the world changed. I know some of you were really young when 9-11 happened, that was what, gosh, 23 years ago, 20, 22 years ago, 20, 20 years ago, well, 20 years ago, and um, we lost half of the expats. The church became you know, cut in half, the school was cut in half, and they asked me to be the director of the school until they found a, uh, another director, and I said I could do it for six months. Six years later, I was still directing the school and pastoring the church, so I had a dual role for six years. I, I pastored for nine and um, actually, after doing that for six years, I got, I got burned out, to be honest with you. We came back to the United States the same year that my oldest son graduated from our school down there. We landed in Kansas City. Uh, and we f the first thing we looked for was a good church. And that church sponsored a school. And we put our kids in a, it was a classical Christian school, which we'd never, we, we knew about Christian, but we had never heard about this classical thing anyway. Uh, we put our, our kids in there, and a few months later, they asked me to teach Spanish for them, which I did, and then a, a year or so later, they asked me to join the, the administrative team, and a year or so later, I became the head of school. So for nine years, I was the head of school at uh, Faith Christian Academy in Kansas City. We, we served there for 14 years, and um, this past year, year and a half ago, the school board there was zigging, and I thought we needed to be zagging. Not gone zagging, but gone zagging. And um, it was timely. The Lord prepared it for us, and so um, I came, Seattle called, which was really, really weird for us, being from the Midwest and growing up to come out to Seattle, Washington. But the Lord was in it, and uh, one of the first things we did is look around for church, and it was, the, it was fascinating because we were looking at different churches, visited four or five, and our second or third time through, we, Gracie was with us, and we, uh, we, I knew that they wanted to go to this other church, and I really thought Icon was where the Lord wanted us. And so we were leaving, I think it was another church, and Gracie goes, well, I don't know about you two, but I think we should go to Icon. And Pam goes, I do too. And so it's when the... And I go, well, okay, I guess maybe, you know, because I was really happy about that because I saw that the, the, just everybody wanted to come to Icon. So that was, so I've been here ever since. And so I uh, praise the Lord for that. And I was talking to some people earlier about it's been a while since I've had a chance to, to give a sermon at, um, in front of the, I, the, the assembly is, what, is, where, is where we are. 
And the first time I ever gave a, a sermon, I was so nervous. I mean, I was so nervous. And I remember Pam was saying, it's going to be okay, settle down. And I, I like changed my tie six or seven different times. And I came out, and I went, what about this one? She goes, your tie is fine. It's going to be okay. And I go back in, I change it again, right? So finally it got to time that the service was going to start. I had to do something, so I went with the tie hat on, went, went and preached, and then I ran to the back and was shaking hands, you know. And, and I, was so, I was still so very nervous. And, I, and I, Pam came back there, and I go, honey, honey, what would you think? And she goes, you picked the right tie. <laughs> so how about that? You know, so she said, I'm glad you have a tie on today. So I can tell you, you picked the right tie again. Anyway, so um, that's just a little bit of our background, my background. When, uh, when Brother Ben told me, he said, I really want you to, to cover the, the book of um, the, third, the third chapter of Philippians. I said, I love that. I love, I love Philippians. I love the book. Um, it is so uplifting. It's so... So it's joyful, and um, when, when Paul starts out, uh, he is, um, well, we've, we've gone through, but this, this, this third chapter is really, it's great because he starts out with the word, finally my, my brothers, okay? You can, I think I've got uh, some of that come up there. It says, uh, and I title this, If I've Told You Once, all right? So we're going to have some fill in the blanks today. You know, and it's okay for audience participation. So, those of you that would understand this cultural reference, if you hear, if I've told you once, I've told you twice. I guess in my, my growing up, it was, I've told you a thousand times. That's the one I, but if I've told you once, I've told you, I've told, this is not the first time I've told you something. And Paul starts out with this, look, my brothers, um, I've rejoiced in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble for me and safe for you. So he's saying, hey, I've told you this before, but it's okay. I'm going to tell you again, and this is great. He says, uh, rejoice in the Lord. And one, one little issue here, because it depends on what translation you're looking at. It says, finally, my brothers, and, and some it says, and sisters. And I'm not a Greek scholar. I wish I was. But I'm, I'm, I know in Spanish, if you say hermanos, that encompasses both male and female, unless explicitly it's only male or only female. So if there's a group of people and you say hermanos, that could be both men and women. So I think this, it's the same thing here. So it's finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write this to you is, is great for me and it's great for you. Uh, and I remember we are finally about done with child rearing. I mean, Gracie's going to be 21 in September, and, and uh, I don't have to, we, don't, we, we, we parent her different now than we did when she was younger, but when, when our kids are going out, and some of you are, you remember this, hey, one last thing before you guys go out, I want you to remember to, and so I, that's, I can remember my parents, if, if, if you give us a call if you need to, don't get into the car with someone that's been drinking, you know, stay away from so-and-so. I mean, those last, those final instructions are the ones that you really want your kids to remember or your brothers and sisters to remember. And I think that, that um, Paul is saying, okay, here's the last thing, and I really want you to remember this, and it's really important, and he says rejoice. Rejoice. And um, rejoice, in fact, 
there's, there's three kind of words, and if you saw the outline in the, in the email, it was rejoice, recognize, and righteousness. Well, the word rejoice is a great word, actually shows up in Scripture, at least depending upon your translation, over 200 times throughout Scripture. Over 200 times. It says, to be filled with joy. Be filled with joy. Okay? And it, it appears 41 times in Psalms, 10 times in Luke. But you know what book has the highest percentage of the word rejoice in, in uh, ratio to the number of chapters? Philippians. It, has, it shows up seven times in four chapters. So it's rejoice, rejoice, be full of joy. Um, okay, so here's some fill in the blank answers. Okay, I think you guys will probably do great at this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will, re- oh, we will, I gave it away. All right. Okay, the first one, I wanted to give you a demonstration. All right. We will rejoice and be glad in it. All right? How about this? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, again I say rejoice. Okay? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those that weep. Rejoice with rejoice. Okay? This one's going to be a little bit harder. This is a time frame. I'm going to give you a hint. It's a time frame. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Okay, so here's a... I don't know why the Lord gave me a real, tr- a real trivia brain. No, a, a, a brain that captures trivia. But um, shortest verse in the English Bible is what? Everybody knows this. Jesus wept, right? Jesus wept. Do you know what the shortest verse in the Greek Bible is? It's rejoice always. Okay? You probably knew that because where I was headed. But uh, it's actually, uh, it's three words. In Greek, and those of you that know Greek could look this up, but uh, the number of characters is the lowest, it's the, it's the shortest verse. Rejoice always. Always be rejoicing. Always be rejoicing. So Paul, Paul says, look, I've told you this before, I'm just going to tell you again, it's good for you, it's good for me. Rejoice. Be full of joy. And um, that's, that's good for us to remember, uh, to, to rejoice. Uh, but he's, then he gets into something that I think is find fascinating. The second thing that he talks about is recognizing, okay? Recognizing, looking out for. And he says, look out for three different things. He looks out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, and look out for those who mutilate the flesh. I'm like, okay, look out for the dogs. Well, as some of you or all of you may know, Jews called the Gentiles dogs. In fact, Jesus, there's an instance in Scripture where Jesus calls a Gentile woman or infers that Gentiles are dogs. Okay? Let me read that to you. Now, hang with me to the end because there's a reason. So this is in Mark um, 7, 24 through 30. And from there, he, or Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. And immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician woman by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, can you picture this? Jesus is, 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 is seated in this house. A party going on. Jesus was always a party. They were eating. 
And this woman comes up and throws herself at his feet and says, heal my daughter. Okay, so now the daughter wasn't there. Well, immediately something about her, he recognized her as a, as a Gentile. I would imagine, I haven't investigated it, but I would imagine maybe something about her clothing gave it away. Syrophoenician maybe had special colors or whatever. And, she's, and, and Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take what is the children's table uh, to eat. Uh, she said, um, let, the, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So, <laughs> so this woman coming up, she's having a bad day. The kid, you know, her daughter's, you know, it, and Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to, you know, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed the children of Israel before I give the crumbs to the, to the dogs. And look at her response. Look at her response. Well, you're not looking at your, I'll tell you the response. Okay. It's, he says, but she answered him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Okay, so she, he knew, obviously, what was going to transpire here. But in this, in, this, in this interaction, Jesus said, I came to the children of Israel, not not the Gentiles. And she goes, yeah, but even, even, us, even the Gentiles get the crumbs. And he said to her, Jesus said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. So Paul said, look out for the, watch out for, or uh, look out for dogs. But he's, he's being ironic. He's being, he's, it's fascinating the way Paul, he says, look out for the dogs. He's calling He's calling the Pharisees dogs, which I'm sure the Pharisees called Gentiles dogs all the time. He says, watch out for those, those, those dogs, the Pharisees. He said, watch out for the evildoers. Now, who are the evildoers? Well, they're the law keepers. I, I just, I, Paul turns all this on, on its head. He says, watch out for dogs, watch out for evildoers, watch out for the flesh mutilators. Well, you have, you have the Jews, the Pharisees, and those of the circumcision. Um, he says that if you keep, if you, he's saying if you're just keeping the law, you're just doing that, then you're really an evildoer. And I, and I thought about the, uh, the interaction story that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember that? Say, so Pharisee and a tax collector go up to the temple to pray, and the Pharisees up he says, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. You know, I, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I own. I, I'm glad I'm not like this tax, this tax collector here. And the tax collector doesn't even come up to the altar. He stays out in the uh, out, and he, he's beating his chest and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Paul says, watch out for those people. Watch out for the law keeper. And that's how they, he says, watch out for those people that are, that are just keeping the law. And then he comes and he says, watch out for the flesh mutilators. He says, watch out for that. that because Philippi was, there was, a, a, the, one of the problems in the church was they had the Judaizers trying to take over. And um, in an earlier book in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about, he says, for neither circumcision counts for anything or uncircumcision counts for anything but keeping the commandments he says so if 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 we are 
Um, and and it, it, this all ties together. Paul's saying, you have to watch out because people are going to come to you and say, well, do, do this, and, and that's how you will be saved. This is how you'll get grace with God. Or, or this is what I, you know, I keep the law, so if you follow me and keep the law. Or even the, like the, the flesh mutilators. It's fascinating how Paul talks about mutilating the flesh. It's circumcision. And uh, it's, it's not the circumcision or it's not uncircumcision. It's what's... It's what's in. It's inside your. It's what's inside, not what's outside. It's an inside job, really. Verse three reads: For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. That's actually verse three of, of our of our um, reading today. So we are the circumcision. We have been because of our spiritual circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, and actually another translation is there is, or we, we worship God in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the, in the flesh. It's fascinating there. I see a Trinity picture. You know, we worship God in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus. So, as, as Paul is explaining, he's talking about, okay, I, I want you to rejoice in what the Lord has done. I want you to rejoice in, in, in who you are. And I want you to watch out for, recognize um, these Judaizers that are coming at you, and they'll come, come at you in different ways. And he then goes into a whole, the, the major part of the, of the rest of the, of the uh, verses that we're covering today, it talks about uh, righteousness, his righteousness. And um, let me read a little bit of what he says. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. So Paul is now saying, okay, the, these, these, these Judaizers want you to have confidence in the outside, what, how you display yourself or, or uh, how you keep the law or if you've been circumcised or not. He says, but let me talk a little bit about me as an example. And... Um, I want, I want to, he says, I have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Okay, I, when Paul says something like that, I think, okay, is he being arrogant? Or I don't know. I mean, it's, it, those always surprise me. He says, you know, he says, hey, if those guys think they're great, I'm greater. And, and he goes on and he says, um, I was circumcised the eighth day, obviously keeping the law. Um, a people of Israel, a tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. So that puts him up high. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Now these are this is what Paul is laying out as his um, his stripes, if you will, on on how he could say the righteousness or the confidence in the flesh. He says, as zeal persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, what does Paul say that he is? He, is bl he says, I'm blameless. So I, I started thinking, okay, confidence in the flesh. And, I, and, I was, and I was, as I was thinking about that, I said, who could, who could really, in, in our society or in, in, in my Okay, who has confidence in the flesh? Okay, who is the greatest ever of something? Okay, who's the greatest ever of something? 
So then I thought, okay, got to remember I'm in Seattle. No, and I don't mean that. I'm just saying, okay, some of the cultural references I might drag up from my youth, I'd have to explain those, but um, I don't, not necessarily. But anyway, the greatest basketball player ever. Okay, Michael Jordan. Does anybody disagree with that? Yes. LeBron James. And so I said, and I was telling Pam, I go, or Wilt Chamberlain. She goes, Wilt who? Yeah, or, or Bill Russell. Or, I mean, there's a, so if you, if you said the greatest basketball player ever, you could make, you could make a, a case for these guys. Michael Jordan, two, three-peats. LeBron James, most points. I mean, you could, if I was, they could make a case in the flesh, right? Uh, greatest boxer of all time. Oh, geez, okay, what? Muhammad Ali, I heard. Yeah. Throw one out for the Italians. What? Rocky Marciano? Is, it, is that what? Did I hear Rocky Marciano? Yeah, okay, only undefeated heavyweight champion ever, right? Um, so we can't agree on, okay, greatest soccer player ever? Messi? Okay, I'll give a shout out for Argentina on Messi, yeah. Okay, uh, or, but if this would have been 10 years ago, they'd have said Pelé, or they might have said Maradona, or if you're from, you know, over in Europe, you might say one of those dudes with one name over there uh, that, that, I don't, that I don't always, fo- I don't follow soccer, okay, didn't grow up playing soccer, but um, so, and then I thought, okay, greatest te- technological giant, that'll, that'll, Spur people on here. Or the highest or the best ever at tech. Who, what? Bill Gates. I have I, I, I Googled it, so I, I have the authoritative, you know. Well, they, they had like top 40. So uh, Bezos' name came up. Musk came up. Zuckerberg came up. And I guess a couple of them are going to decide in the ring who's... Right? Isn't that going to do that? So, uh. Okay, so in this g- gathering here, you, there's some of you that have, you have reason for um, confidence in the flesh. Maybe you were valedictorian. Or maybe you were champion of spelling bee. I, don't know. I was talking to someone who says, this is a little known fact. Um, see, so I, I think I've told this to one person. Um, but when I, was, when I was a senior in high school, I went to El Salvador on an exchange program, and I played basketball in El Salvador, and I was chosen as all El Salvadorian my high school year, 1975. I was the third tallest man in the country. <laughs> So it had more to do with my height than did my basketball acumen. But still, okay, if I think, okay, how am I, what's my confidence in the flesh? Well, I guess being all El Salvadorian would have to rise to the top. Well, so Paul, when he talks about his confidence in the flesh, he says, I was all these things. I was the best at all these things. He says, but in verse 7, he writes, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All of that, 
all my accolades is, I count as lost. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as, as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, if we had more time, I'd do more thorough exegesis. That word rubbish is a fascinating word and where he uses it. But he's saying, I can, all these human things, all these Jewish things, all these religious things I've done, I, compared to me gaining Christ, it's loss. And I was, uh, I was reading about um, there's some addiction in my, my uh, family uh, a while ago and reading about addiction and recovery. And I read a statement that was just, it, was, it fascinated me. It says, in addiction, you give up everything to have one thing. And in recovery, you give up one thing to have everything. And, it, it, and I'm not saying that, a, 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 I'm not drawing a comparison in a, between addiction and having Christ, but when we give up everything for Christ, and that one thing we get, we do get everything from him. We get everything. Uh, the summer that Pam and I met was uh, 1985, and um, that's a fun story. Sometime, we have more time, I'd love to uh, tell you that. But I met her two weeks before I was getting ready to go on a short-term mission trip, first short-term mission trip I'd ever taken. And I went to Guatemala. And my body was in Guatemala, but my mind and my heart were back in Wichita, where I'd met this, met this girl. And we did, we, it, was, it was a working uh, mission trip, and we helped a, um, a missionary build homes in the Guatemalan jungles for some, uh, a village that had been ravaged by war, okay? He was a Wycliffe missionary. And I remember um, being in this, this one hut. We went and we visited a lot of these people. But this, this missionary said, I, I really want you to go and visit this, this widow. Um, she, doesn't, she's, she doesn't have long to live. And we said, well, sure, we'll go and we'll, we'll pray for her. What, what's the problem? She goes, well... Um, She's, she's gone blind, and because she's gone blind, all of her family has left her. Her husband left her, her children left her, and they've left her to die. And she is, I can only do so much, and, um, but she's a believer. And, you know, and again, this is my first mission trip, and I'm thinking, okay, I guess this is what you do on mission trips. I was I was totally and completely unprepared what the Lord was about to do. We walk into this, this hut, and it is literally, I don't know, it's 300 square feet, maybe. It's tiny. And, it's made, and, and, the, and the walls are bamboo, but it's, it's thin bamboo. So, you can, I mean, you can see outside the winds whistling through. This woman has a, a, a place for a fire and two or three pots, and that's it. She slept on the ground, and, and she was blind. And, and the guy he was talking to her in Quechuan was the language. And she was just smiling and talking to him. 
And he turned and he said, she, she wants us to sing with her. And so I just remember when we started singing, this woman had such a joy coming from her, from her heart and from her soul. And, I looked, and she had nothing, absolutely nothing, except she had Christ. And she was just singing and busting it out and catching, I don't, you know, we were trying to follow along. We, he taught us a kind of the chorus. And I can just remember thinking, I, I want to have that kind of joy where if everything is taken away, if I still have Christ, I still have everything. And, I, and, and that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, to be found in Christ not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or comes from anything that I've done, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and that I may share in his sufferings, become like him in death, and by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. And, and when I read through that, I thought of this lady in Guatemala. I don't even remember her name, but I just thought that is the kind of joy that Paul's talking about. He says, rejoice. Rejoice. Remember to rejoice. And uh, I, do, I, am, I'm, I am encouraged by this. I know I'll see her again in heaven. And, and I'm just going to say, man, you, you, don't re- you don't remember me probably, but man, you had an impact on my life. And um, I guess the... The, the, the righteousness that Paul has, has talked about here um, is what I want to uh, um, kind of close on is um, when we come to him, we come empty-handed. I love the songs we're singing today. It just, it just seemed to tie right into this. Um, and Paul, is, it, it, he says, remember... I'll tell you this again. I'll tell you this because it's good for me to tell you and it's good for you to hear it. Rejoice in the Lord. Remember um, to rejoice. Uh, And I would say that another application to to what we looked at is remember to recognize. And I would say to us, not so much recognize the Judaizers because that's a different thing, but, but maybe in your own life, what is it that you need to recognize what is, what is it about, about my f- flesh? I don't mean my, my, my kane, I don't mean my, my body, but just in, in who I am, who, in my all El Salvadorianness, what do I need to give, give up? Okay? Because I want to be like the widow in, in Guatemala. I want to just have joy in the Lord. And um, that's where we find our righteousness is in him. It's not in um, the works that we do. I'm not, saying that we, I'm not saying we don't do works. I think it's wonderful that, that Icon serves in the Seattle. And I would love to see us as a church go on some short-term mission trips and, and, to, and some do, th- do some different things like that. But uh, as we continue to go through uh, Philippians, I think this is just a great time for us to pause and say, Lord, I, I will rejoice always. I'll, I'll remember why I, I, 
I first rejoiced. Um, and I will, I have to keep an eye on my flesh, on, you know, who I, <laughs> oh, and there's, so, there's so many stories about how God has humbled me, you know, Pam's shaking her head yes, um, but that's okay, I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I want to be found in him, I want my, I want my, um, those things that I hold up to be, to be counted as, as lost for him, and that by all means possible, um, I could be found in, in Jesus. So that's my encouragement to you, uh, to rejoice, to uh, recognize in, in ourselves and in those around us and in each other, in us as a church, and then um, to, be, to be found in the righteousness of Christ, which is really worth it all. It's worth it all. So... Let me pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll continue on with some songs and communion and the way we celebrate our, our, um, our brother and sisterhood in Christ. Father, I thank you for just a, a great reminder that we are to rejoice in you, that it is important for me to lay aside all these things that cause me to puff up and, and just to say, I, I want you, Lord. Um, help us to encourage one another to rejoice. Help us to understand that joy is not um, just being happy, but it's part of the fruit of the spirit that we have, um, being full of joy. And I just pray that, that we would understand that that's there for us as believers. And Lord, help us to, if we, if we recognize in ourselves that the flesh that has risen up, I just pray that we would, as we come to the time of communion, that we would confess that to you, knowing that um, you died to take away all of our sins, and that um, that would be a, a blessing and Lord, I, I last of all, if there is a, a soul in this room that does not know Jesus, has never, uh, has never found themselves in Christ, but are looking for uh, that kind of, 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 of rejoicing, that kind of joy, that kind of relationship, I pray that um, they would humble themselves and um, make their desires known to you. Lord, um, we, we thank you that you meet us here and that your word has um, application as much uh, today as it did 2,000 years ago. Bless us now as we continue in our um, fellowship, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are His.